I'll take it from there. So again, as we get started, please open your Bibles to Psalm 139. And as you're opening, I just want to say this. You see, not everyone feels good about the way God created them. Some people wish they were taller. Some people wish they were thinner. Some people wish they were shorter. Some people wish they had bigger feet or smaller feet. We all have a way of judging ourselves. And it doesn't help us when the world, the community, and even our friends have a way of judging us as well. You see, I've been around boys who wish they were taller as they played basketball on Thursday nights with the men, the adult men here at the church. I know that was me. I wish I was taller as I was trying to go against Doug there shooting hoops. And, man, he's got a reach on him. But sometimes we wish we were bigger too. Maybe it's bulkier, more muscle. And I know some guys, some men, wish they were handier around the house. Maybe they wish they could swing a hammer and fix things up themselves or do their own plumbing, do their own electrical. We want to tell ourselves that I know God is great and God is good, but I just wish you would have made us t me taller. I wish you would have made me thinner. Or maybe it's the case of wishing that God made us handier. And maybe we think to ourselves, my wife can put together an entire bedroom set by her herself. And I can't even put together a piece of Ikea furniture. Or maybe it's just how she makes the bed. And I know that happened to me this week with our house being on tour. I was trying to help clean the house. I think I got in more of the way than really being a help as I tried to make the bed. Something so simple. And my wife said, no, don't do that. I'll do it. You're going to mess it up. <laughs> but we know that God is great. God is good. But I just wish he would have made me more handy, right? But here's the thing, as we say these things, as we think these things, we can end up, what can end up happening is that instead of showing our appreciation to God and how he created us, we criticize God for how he didn't create us. Instead of praising him that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, we blame him for not following our specifications. So today, we, we need to be reminded of this. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you're having troubles with the PowerPoint with Easy Worship, just restart the program, or the PowerPoint is on the desktop. You can just open up there. But my PowerPoint's very simple for today. We're going to read from Psalm 139. I've got the scripture slides up here, and I've got one title slide. That's it. They're very simple. As I read from Psalm 139, I just want you to look at the words. I don't want you to stand today because I don't want to take your focus off of anything else. If we get the words up on the screen, great. You can pay attention there. If not, there's Bibles in front of you. I want you to see something. Psalm 139, it says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. You see, this psalm wasn't meant to be just held within for his own life. He was turning this over to the choir master to be put into a song for everybody, his whole congregation, to benefit from. So this is for us to benefit from, too, and we need to look to God's word here and think, how are we applying this, this to our lives? So you should have it in front of you now. I want to grab the stool for a moment. That's got a purpose. Because you see, as David was writing this psalm, I don't think he was just saying, hmm, how can I make this sound better? I think he was writing this psalm with awe, with awe, as he was just in amazement of God. 
And he might have been on his knees. He might have been sitting on a pillow, a stool, I don't know, something, whatever they sat on in that day. As he was just pondering, he was thinking. He might have been crying. He might have been tearing up and getting emotional. Let me read this to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Psalm 139. To the choir master, a psalm of David. It goes like this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my past and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, our Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to, for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shul, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark enough for you. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. We start that, just read the first few lines again. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my past and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You see, the world is hurting today. We are hurting. You are hurting. I'm hurting. We're all hurting because the world has a way of telling us how valuable we are to them. 
and we're not valuable to them if we're not acting this way, if we're not looking this way, if we're not dressing a certain way. Here's the problem. We listen to all these lies instead of listening to what God tells us about ourselves. I was in youth ministry, full-time, part-time volunteer for roughly 12 years. And I've seen so many teens that just tear themselves apart because of thinking they're not good enough. Or maybe because they think nobody knows them. I love the sermon slide. I love that it's blocked out the un. Because people today think they're the unknown. Nobody knows me. Nobody cares of me, about me. But you are known. God knows you. God knows every little piece about you. In this scripture, we see a natural breakdown. We're not focusing on this today, but you can notice yourself this week that the first section is about the omniscience of God. God knows everything about his people. This is David, and God knew everything about David. But then it goes on, and it's about the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. David cannot get away from him. Where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shul, you are there. It doesn't matter where we are. God is with us everywhere. And then it goes on for the, um, the omnipotency of God. His all-powerful attributes, divine attributes of God. But here's the thing. We have real issues with our identity. There was one year in Ohio a few years back when I was a youth pastor, and within a month's time, there were six different suicides on the news. In fact, I think it was within a couple weeks. It was just a spread. Uh, it was like a disease. One town would have one, then a neighboring town would have one, then a neighboring town would have one, because they didn't know the value they had in God's eyes, in their creator's eyes. They didn't have that hope because they, they were listening too much to their peers and their peers had a way of bringing them down instead of bringing them up. I'm sure if I was to ask, many of you would be able to say the same thing. You'd be able to share a story, a time, of when somebody misidentified you. They told you something that wasn't true. I've been hurt many times by people. And here's one instance. One is based off how I talk. Now, most of you, it's been great moving to Wisconsin because you just think it's my accent from Ohio, right? But no, I was born with a speech problem, and in school, I actually had to go to speech therapy. Kids are mean, you know that? In elementary school, all the kids would make fun of me because I couldn't say certain words, I couldn't say certain letters, I couldn't say my R's just right. And you know what? Some adults are mean too. They have a way of making fun of us as well. And a lot of this isn't good fun, and I am big time to blame for this too because I love to just have fun with people but sometimes I can take it too far so if I've taken it too far with any of you I'm sorry because we need to do better at lifting people up not just bringing them down for the longest time I was I always allowed this to hold me back instead of looking to the passions God gave me the gifts God's given me the strengths he's given me I wouldn't talk or when I did talk, I was just rephrasing whatever other people would say because I knew people laughed at what they said or people were impressed with what they said. I was afraid to speak my own mind. This got worse, you see. These are wrongful thoughts, by the way. Let me just say, God knows me, God knows you, and he loves you. And we're told here, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are too. 
It's not just me. It's not just David. All of us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and God knows us. But here's the second thing. People would often compare me to others. This could be in sports, school, or even youth group. So my number two of just sharing an experience of me is this. I remember once as a teenager, I shared with somebody very special in my life that I felt God calling me to be a pastor, calling me to be a youth pastor. And I was probably in a, my sophomore year of high school at this time. And I was just so excited to be sharing this news. Now, this was a church leader in the, as well. And I think I was looking for some approval from him, for him to be proud, for him to be happy for me. But instead, I was brushed off. I don't think he said it in these exact words, but what I felt from his response was like I was encouraged to look elsewhere, like I just wasn't good enough. But you know what we see in this? God knows me. He created me. He equips me to do great things in his name, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And we need to stop looking for other people's approval and finding value in what the world says we are or who we are or what we're good at or what we're not good at. And we need to look at what the, what the Word of God tells us. Another time, a co-worker during my senior year of high school had said that I would never achieve my plans, my dreams. See, during high school, my senior year, I had two different jobs while going to school. In one of those jobs, I told him my life plan. I'm going to buy a house. I'm getting married my, right after I graduate high school. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to take a couple years off from school to just work hard and get established with my new wife. And then I'm going to go back to college, become a pastor. Well, this lady didn't like this plan. And she said that I would wash up. There's no way I'll ever go back to college. There's no way I'll become a pastor. She said, you got too big of dreams. You'll just end up w working a desk job the rest of your, your life. You see, people can be cruel. People can be mean. They think they know you better than you know yourself. They think they know you better than God knows you. And you know what? God knows you, every little piece about you, because he's the one that created you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, this may be awkward, but I want on the count of three, I just want us all to say, and you can even look to your neighbor if you like, I just want to say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at that. I love all those smiles out there in the congregation. So on the count of three, which you can do something very simple. We're going to say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can we do that? All right. One, two, three. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you. See, that wasn't so bad. But here's the thing. Not only do we struggle with telling ourselves that, how often do we tell that to each other? Not enough. How often do we tell that to our kids? When was the last time you told your kids? And I'm to blame here, too. When I preach on Sunday mornings, I preach to myself. And if I ever get teary-eyed, a lot of times because I realize while I'm in this hot seat behind the podium, I'm preaching to me, and I'm realizing, man, God, you're convicting me right here and now. When was the last time you told your kids you were fearfully and wonderfully made? God knows you, and God loves you. God created you with a purpose, and God gave you the gifts you have because that's how he wanted you to be. We need to stop trying to change ourselves. Here's the thing, God knows us and loves us better than anyone else. Better than you know yourself. Better than you love yourself. Let that sink in. God knows you better than you know you. God loves you more than you love you. And that's hard because as human beings who are kind of selfish, we often love ourselves a little too much. 
We love ourselves more than we love other people. And then we keep ourselves to ourselves instead of sharing ourselves with the people that God wants us to share ourselves with. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? But God knows us and loves us better than we even know and love ourselves. And you know why? That's because he created us. He knows every piece of it. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He is your creator. You know what? You've created some things in your life. You know what? Some of it doesn't matter. I created a desk for my son's room the other week. And I know that desk really well because I made it. Wives, mothers out there, you know your kids pretty well because you created them and because you've brought them up. How much do you think God knows you? Because he's the one that brought you into existence. Before a thought was even in your minds, God had you planned out. There's a quote. It's an anonymous quote. It says this, you are closest to the people who are most interested in you. You're the closest to the people who are most interested in you. Well, guess what? God is the one who, the mo who is the most interested in you. And in this Psalm 139, David reminds us that even before word is on his tongue, God knows it. That's how much God knows you. How much he cares about you. That he knows every single word that's even in your mind before you even say it. Are you closest to him? Because you should be. This is how you start to feel that confidence that you need. This is how you start to feel that love that you need, that hope that you need, that value that you need in existence. It's by being close to your father. God gives us this word to describe him, and it's really relevant right here. For you are formed in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's room. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God is our father. He created us. And he knows you. You know, when it comes to going from an identity crisis to an identity in Christ, we have to realize how valuable we are to Jesus. How many promises are secure because of him. And we have to not listen to the lies of other people. Put simply, an identity crisis forms when you listen to what others say about you instead of knowing who you are with Christ. Instead of lis listening to what God tells you about who you are. We are known and loved in a way which we cannot fully understand. And that's okay. We're never going to fully understand God. Sometimes we question God and we think, God, why did you create me this way? God, why did you create me so short? God, why did you create me with a speech problem? God, why did you create me with this or with that, with a limp, whatever it is? God, why did you let this happen to me? At some point, we just need to understand, I don't know. You don't know, but God knows as your creator and the creator of all things, he had a purpose. And God does not make mistakes. The world does not control you. It cannot tell you who you are. The world can't, can't tell you if you're good enough, if you're beautiful enough, if you're skinny enough, strong enough, smart enough. Because we don't belong to, Je to the world. We belong to Jesus. We belong to God. We belong to the Holy Spirit within us. We are known and fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live and die a gruesome death for us. God knows us. You are known. And why would God do that for us? Go to that depth 
if he didn't care about you? God, with his omniscience, his all-knowing, divine, godly power, knows you. His divine attributes. If we look to the scripture in front of us, it's divided naturally by seeing that no matter what we're doing, whether we sit, whether we stand, whether we lay down, whether we're thinking good thoughts or bad thoughts, God knows what we're doing. God sees what we're doing. And God can still influence what you're doing in your life. God knows our ways. It says when we sit and when we rise up. God knows our thoughts. We are valuable. Here we have David writing what is meant to be given to the choir master and put into a song. It's not mentioned for David. I think sometimes we forget that. As we read the scripture, and maybe sometimes you do it, and you think, well, I'm just doing what's required of me. The pastors told me I should read God's word every day. But we forget God gave this to us, all of us. We need to listen to it and think, God, what do you want me to hear today? And I know for sure what God wants you to hear is that he knows you and he loves you. He cares for you. He's your creator. He's your father. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Are we living that way? David is writing as he is in awe of God. When was the last time we prayed that way? So you see, I, don't, I, I did it this way because it, it's easier for you to see me praying on a stool and just looking down. But I think if I was to really pray this each and every single day, I would be on my knees and I would be in tears. Oh God, you know me. David and us cannot get away from God and his knowledge, his presence, his power. But we shouldn't want to. His thoughts are precious and number more than the sand. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievance way in me and lead me in the everlasting. God will give you life. How does it feel to live with the knowledge that God sees us, he knows us, and it, he loves us? He gives us life. I think it should bring us confidence. It should bring a smile to our face each day. You know, we like to make fun of Mondays and say Mondays are just terrible. We hate Mondays. We can't wait for Fridays, right? We even have a term for Wednesdays, hump day. Because you're getting over that hill and now you're going back down. You're going towards the week and great. But as I was reminded by this, this morning by somebody here, we can rejoice in the Lord each and every single day for it's the day that the Lord has made. You were made with that day. Here are some points for you as we start to wrap up. We should have confidence we know who we are. We are his creation wonderfully made. I've got five points for you, and I didn't write them up on the board. But these five points are so that you're reminded that you're known. And in knowing that you're known, you should do this. Number one, be reminded of God's word and his promises. He promised Abraham a great nation to rise from his descendants. He promised to rescue Israel out of captivity. He promises to forgive us our sins. He promises to be with us. He promises to give us everything we need. God has made a lot of promises in his word. We don't have to worry about whether or not he'll take them back, whether or not they'll come true. Every single prophecy, every single promise has been made real life. Even all the prophecies of Jesus Christ coming, being, being born of 
of a virgin, Mary. And we'll get into Christmas here soon. I'm excited for that one. Not so excited about Halloween. I'm excited about Christmas coming, right? All these promises have come true. And we can depend on all of them. Our identity is secure. We are his. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Be reminded of God's word and his promises. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievance way in me and lead me in the everlasting. Number two is this. Don't listen to the lies. Everybody wants to tell you lies. And part of that's because maybe they're miserable, so they want to make other people miserable. Speak up against the lies. Speak truth against the lies. Don't just shy away in a corner, but tell people. If they tell you something that's not true, tell them, you know what? I don't believe that because God's word tells me I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and he knows me. And he loves me so much that despite knowing me so well, he still sent his son for me. He still stays with me every day, every step of the way. I can't get away from him. That's how much he loves me. Don't listen to the, uh, the lies. I want you to look at how we are described in God's word. We are described as a child of God in John 1.12. We're described as a friend in John 15.15. 15. We're described as justified in Romans 3.24. We're described as free we're described as a saint. We're described as a new creation. We're described as blessed. We're described as the chosen. We're described as the royal priesthood. We're described as God's workmanship. We're described as bold, righteous and holy, light, complete, loved. And to top all that off, and there's so many more descriptions... But we're described as fearfully and wonderfully made. You are known. Number three is this. Don't give up on yourself. God does not make mistakes. And he never gives up on you. You shouldn't give up on yourself either. And definitely don't give up on God. Because he is changing you. And molding you each and every single day. God loves you and he knows you. He created you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So don't. Allow someone else to beat you up by telling you anything otherwise. Don't allow them to take away God's plan of using you and the special gifts God has given you. Don't stop here and think, I'm giving up when God wants you to go a step further. I was listening to a song this week by Andy Minio. It's a new song called Almost There. And here's some lyrics to it. I posted it on Facebook this week. It says this, what if your greatest fears are smaller than you think? Kind of a powerful statement right there even. What if your greatest fears are smaller than you think? What if your greatest dreams don't happen when you sleep? What if you're a tear from a smile? Maybe this time your fall is a flight. What if you're almost there? Almost there. Almost there. You see, we need to trust God. He knows you. He knows his plan. He knows your struggles. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. And he still created you. He still formed you. And we still need to praise him by saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have value in his eyes. Number four is this. Have a prayer like David. Ask God to search you and to take away anything that saddens him. Stop comparing yourself to others. There's only one person you should be comparing yourself to, 
and that's through the word of God and Jesus Christ, because he's the one we need to be more and more like each and every single day. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made as different people, and that's okay. Jesus died for you, for you, not for just for this person or that person, but for each and every single person. He didn't create everyone to be like Bob or Frank or Johnny. He didn't create all women to be like Kathy or Amanda or Jenny. He created Mona to be like Mona and Angie to be like Angie and all of us to be ourselves. But we should be also each and every single day being more like him. Number five is this. Don't worry. It's my final point. Don't worry. I love this quote I found this week. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. That's why you need to replace your rocking chair with a scooter, right? At least then you'll get somewhere and you'll be entertained. It destroys you and prevents you from achieving the great plans that God has for you. Seek God in his ways, not the world. Find value in his word and in yourself and becoming more and more like him. Not trying to become more and more like other people. You see, this psalm, this great psalm, is what David wrote as he was just being amazed by God and his divine attributes. God's omniscience, omnipotency. God being everywhere, all-knowing, and all-powerful. But here's the thing. This is the same David who stole a man's wife and had the man killed. David, the man who would be so easy to look at and whisper to your friend, Wow. He really messed up, didn't he? This is a man who time after time after time made mistakes, huge mistakes. And yet this is the man who also realized his sin and came to God pleading for forgiveness. This is a man who God restored. This is amazing. This is us too. You know, I was going to read this again, but I want to challenge you instead. We're going to just wrap up. I want to challenge you. Read this. Psalm 139 each day this week. Start off your day with it. Read it to your kids in bed. Read it to your kids before they go to school. I know it's a lot. It's a long psalm, but I'm not telling you to read it every day for the rest of your life. Just every day is this week. And remind yourself, get on your knees if you need to. And really just focus on realizing, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Ask God to point out those things in your life which are not at all up and keeping you from looking completely to him. Realize that you are known, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's start to look to the man and woman that God created you to be and stop trying to be who the world says you should be. Stop trying to mold yourself into something you're not meant to be. There's only one thing you're meant to be, and that's to be yourself and to be more like Christ, which every moment, with every moment. The only one you should be changing yourself to be is more like Christ. I want to end with this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 10, we see Jesus described, and he's described as the living stone chosen by God and precious to him. But we also see that we also are being described like Jesus, as chosen, precious, and like living stones. Does that make you feel that you are known by God, and yet he still chooses you, saves you, and he sees you as precious. He sees you as precious. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and don't forget that. Let us pray.
Lord God, we praise you today as the words of David say, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you for never giving up on us, but always caring for us. Lord, we thank you for these words being reminded that you know us. You discern our thoughts. You see when we sit down and we rise up, Lord, and even before a word is on our tongue, you know it. Lord, you have such knowledge, such wisdom, but you also have such power, and you're everywhere, Lord. We can't get away from you, and we shouldn't be trying to. We shouldn't be trying to hide from you. We should be raising up our arms saying, here I am, God, take me. Make me more like you, Lord, today, each and every single day, Lord. Mold me into Jesus. Mold me into your son. May you look down upon me and see your son, Jesus, and be proud of your creation. Thank you. Amen. Please stand and let's close with We Fall Down.